them know how much you're glad that they were able to be back with us. We're going to hear from him tonight, but he's going to speak for us and send our graduates along the way. Uh, let's get into the message, if we could. Second Timothy chapter number 1, if you're, uh, you'll take your Bibles out this morning. Let's stand together. I'm going to read a passage that probably has been preached out of many times on Mother's Day. Uh, but boy, I'm thankful. It's kind of like a well that never goes dry. You go to the Word of God, we're going to find something uh, quick and living. It's alive and it's powerful and it's fresh from the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And uh, let's look down to verse number 1. 2 Timothy 1, look down to verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Our, our key verse today is going to be verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, today for the opportunity to open your word and, Father, to hear from you. Uh, Lord, I prayed, I prepared. Uh, but, Father, all that I'll have to say will be in vain if you don't meet with us today. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, there's already a great spirit, but, Lord, help us not to quench the spirit for any reason this morning. Lord, whether it be through worries, cares uh, on our hearts, maybe things we have to do after service today. Lord, help us set it aside just for a few minutes. Help us focus in on what you want us to hear today. And, Lord, I pray you'd help us respond in a way pleasing to you, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was thinking this morning that if we were to go around the room and give everybody an opportunity to share what their mothers or mother figures in their life have meant to us, uh, we'd probably be here for weeks or months, correct? Uh, because we all have something that we owe to our moms, our grandmothers, aunts, uh, maybe even non-relatives, but ladies in our life that the Lord has led into our life to be influences for us. Uh, I tried to think of some this morning about all things that I owe to the ladies in my life, my mom, my grandmother, and you know, there are some things that are very simple, things along the line of maybe packing your lunch when you were a kid. Uh, I find it interesting that every parent who packs their kid's lunch, they have different ways they do it that are just iconically theirs. When I was in kindergarten, I had a kid I went to school with in Florida, his name was Ian, and his mom always packed his lunch in a Wonder Bread bag. It was a white bag with the little colored dots on it, and I always knew which lunch was Ian's because that's the way his mom always packed his lunch, was in a Wonder Bread bag. Uh, oftentimes, in, when my mom would pack my lunch, uh, we would most of the time eat at school, but she'd pack my lunch for field trips. She would always put notes in my lunch, little notes, hey, I love you, have a good day. And even when the rare occasion happens that I pack my daughter's lunch, I try to put her a note in there every once in a while, too. Simple things that we think about our moms and grandmothers for in our life. Maybe it's the songs they sang you before you went to bed. Uh, maybe it was a lullaby that mom sang to you. I, my mom would come and she'd sing to us and I would always ask her to scratch my back. 
as a kid, I wanted her to rub my back, and I say, I think I have growing pains, you know. I really just wanted a free back rub, and uh, mom would give me those back rubs. There's things I think about with my mom, very simple things, uh, but things that I remember that my mom did for me. Maybe there are personal things this morning that you think about. Uh, maybe you're a mom. And maybe you cooked certain things the way your mom cooked things just because that was your mom. And that's the way mom cooked things. Maybe she passed a recipe along to you and you remember your mom for things along that line. Just things you use in daily life. But maybe it's more important things. Uh, maybe it's you're so thankful for your mom today because, hey, your mom gave you life. Your mom carried you for ten tumultuous, nine tumultuous months. Carried you around. Wasn't able to sleep on her belly. Couldn't see her feet at times. All for you. She did that for you. And you're thankful. I mean, if I saw a bumper sticker the other day, it says, thank the Lord that your mother was pro-life. If you have a mom, thank God she was pro-life. She thought about you and brought you into this world. Maybe it's the nurturing spirit your mom had. I don't know, but I know a lot of things this morning. We think about our moms and how our moms helped shape our life. We'd probably be shocked, wouldn't we? We went around the room this morning thinking about how many times over the course of a day we do what we do because of something that our mom had an influence on us in our life. Maybe, maybe phrases that you say, uh, maybe facial expressions that you have, uh, maybe ways you raise your children. It's all because of the influence that your mom had in your life. George, Washington's put it this, George Washington put it this way, all I am I owe to my mother. I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. The first president of our great country, and he looked at the foundation of his life beginning with what his mother taught him. Matter of fact, you go through a lot of our founding fathers, they give what they were able to do credit to the mothers that God allowed them to have in their life. Moms are very versatile. Moms are very influential. And by the way, you don't have to be a famous mom. You don't have to be the smartest mom, you don't have to be the richest mom, you don't have to be the most successful mom in the eyes of the world. Believe it or not, every mom is influential. And by the way, that could be bad or good. Moms, you don't realize the influence you have. You have a powerful influence on the lives of your children today, and I hope you understand that. Uh, I read this yesterday, and I had to print it off to read it for you this morning. It talks about the versatility of moms it talks about moms and things that they have to strive with on a daily basis and thoughts they have to combat. One says, when I forget to go to the grocery store, I will not boil the macaroni necklaces my children made for me in preschool. Moms, you do so much. You have all of these different uh, irons in the fire. You have a husband that you have to look after, and sometimes you have to mother them too, right? Amen, ladies, you could amen that one really loudly and got away with it this morning. It's Mother's Day. The husband can't get mad at you on Mother's Day. Now, after midnight, you're on your own. Another one says, I will pack the kids' lunch boxes the night before so I don't throw in a slab of frozen lasagna as they're running for the bus, hoping it'll defrost by lunch. One mom says, I will resist the urge to explain to strangers why my son is wearing winter boots, a bathing suit bottom, and an inside-out, backwards pajama top. I'll just be grateful that he is able to dress himself. <laughs> you know why we're laughing? Because it's true. Moms have to do so much, sometimes they just have to go with the flow, right? One says, I will not tell my children 
that the Play-Doh is dried up just because I don't feel like cleaning it up after they use it, even though I know it means I'll spend the entire evening harvesting that colored stuff from the carpet fibers, chair cushions, and dog's fur. One mom says, I will always protect the rights of my children, especially their right to remain silent. <laughs> Give you one more. One mom says, I will be more flexible about children's nutritional requirements by counting the ketchup and green crayon that they eat as vegetables. <laughs> Moms have to deal with a lot, don't they? You go through a lot, you experience a lot, a lot is expected of you, and moms, you always seem uh, to come through, and I'm thankful for that. And this morning, I want to encourage our moms a little bit, but listen, don't tune me out. Don't say, well, because this is Mother's Day, I always say this, I get to tune out because this is for moms. No, the influence of moms is something we're going to look at today. But the influence that a mom has is really reflective of the influence a Christian should have. As a child of God, listen, just as a mom needs to be aware of the influence she has, whether she's famous, rich, the smartest lady in the room or not, a Christian needs to understand the influence you have in life. Whether you realize it or not, there are people looking up to you and it's important that you maintain your testimony because it's not just going to have immediate impacts in this life. The influence of a mom, the influence of a Christian can have eternal impacts. I want you to think about that. There's a lot of you that are saved today, are saved very quite possibly because you heard of the faith that you have now first from your mother. Maybe it was mom that took you to church. Maybe it was mom that read you the Bible stories. Not saying dads don't do that, but in the early days of life, kids are around mom more than around dad a lot of times. Mom was the one to tell you first about Jesus. And now we're reading about a young man in 2 Timothy 1. Let's get into it if we could. That way you can get your free gift, amen, at the end of the service. Don't forget to feed and water them, okay? You can get arrested for cruelty to animals. So when you take it home today, be sure you take care of that. <laughs> some of you moms are like, yes, and some of you are like, what? We're reading about Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're reading about a young man whose life was directly impacted by the influence of his mother and his grandmother. I love the fact that God takes the time to honor his mother and to honor his grandmother. That's why I have no problem honoring our mothers at church. God honored mothers in his word. Honored two of them right here in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. We're going to look down this morning and see that his mother and his grandmother had the most influence in his life because it was an eternal influence in his life. And this morning, I just want to get you thinking just for a few minutes, moms and Christians alike. Do you have an influential faith? Do you have an influential faith? Notice what the Bible says in verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned, what? Faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother, Lois, and thy mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. This morning they had a faith that influenced the life of their son, and grandson, their faith was not their own. Their faith was open and clear enough that it influenced the life of a young preacher by the name of Timothy. And this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. Does your faith influence those around you? Is your faith an influential faith? And we're going to look at that subject, three quick things out of verse number five that I want you to see. The Bible says, when I call to remembrance, watch this, the unfeigned faith. Now, all of us this morning, I, I think inside of all of us, there's something that you want to leave your mark on the world, correct? 
I mean, that's why some of you, when you're in high school, you had a can of spray paint and you found something to spray on, you know, seniors class of 83. What you want to do, you're leaving your mark on the world. Maybe you want to become influential in politics or in the financial era, and you want to leave your name on this world. But all of us want to leave an influence in this life. What a shame it would be to live 70, 75, 80 years and not have made any impact in this world. What a shame to waste a life and to have lived an entire life in vain. But oftentimes, the most important area of influence is not one that we focus in on, and that's the influence of our faith. How do we have an influential faith? Verse 5 shows us right out of the gate. When I call to remembrance the, and that next word is the most important word I want you to see right off the bat, the unfeigned faith. Now, grandmother had it, mom had it, and Timothy now has it. But what kind of a faith is an unfeigned faith? Well, I want you to notice the definition of that is simple. It means genuine and sincere. The faith of Lois, the grandmother, and Eunice, the mom, was a very sincere faith. It was a genuine faith. It wasn't a pretend faith. It wasn't a facade faith. It was very authentic. Now, this is what you need to understand this morning. If you're going to have, as a mom or as a Christian this morning, an influential faith, you've got to notice this first thing. An influential faith is an authentic faith. If your faith is going to influence your children... And listen, as a Christian, if your faith is going to influence the people at your workplace, your school, your neighbors, or even your own family, your faith has got to be unfeigned. Your faith has got to be authentic. Your faith is going to have to be genuine. Think about it this way. When it all boils down, influence is inseparable from authenticity. Influence is inseparable from authenticity. Give an example. All right, you're going down the highway, uh, and you round a curve, and when you round the curve, sitting off the edge of the road, there's a kid in a police, policeman's outfit. He has the hat, he has the outfit on, he even has a badge, and he's sitting on his bicycle around the curve. You look at your speedometer, and you realize that, yes, you are speeding coming around that curve, and then you see the kid dressed up like the policeman. I bet you, you never tap your brakes. I bet you think to yourself, oh, that's cute, and maybe even speed up a little bit. But then, Lord forbid, you come around that same curve a few weeks later. And not only is it not the bicycle there, it's a a Camaro. Has these nice blue lights on the top, and that's not a kid behind the steering wheel. Isn't it amazing how quick that terrifies you? Your neck gets hot. Why does your neck get hot? I don't know. But your neck gets hot, you begin sweating, and you're trying to decide, do I tap the brakes or not? Right? Come on, look, I'm not the only person here who speeds. Some of you are lying by not responding. You're trying to, if I tap my brakes, I'm saying guilty. And so you're hoping you can coast slowly or past him. Right? I'm just going to get off the gas and hope Oh, it happened to me yesterday coming down Elks Lake. I was in a rush. I was on my way somewhere. And then I see the Forest County deputy coming my way. And I'm like, please have mercy, Lord. Do you know why that influenced me so much? That was a real cop. It was real. That wasn't somebody pretending to be a cop, a kid on a bicycle. Hey, that didn't influence me at all. I'm not tapping my brakes. I'm not slowing down. I'm going to keep on going. But when I see a real cop, that affects me. Can I tell you this morning, that's the way our faith is. You ever wonder why our faith doesn't affect people more like other people's faith affects people? You ever notice that some Christians seem to have a lot of influence to affect people in directing them to Christ? Have you ever noticed that? 
There are just certain Christians that are like, man, every time somebody gets around them, they either get saved or they start going to church or get right with God. Could it be this morning, and look, I'm not being mean to you because I've been here before too. Could it be this morning that the reason we don't have an influential faith is maybe we don't have an authentic faith? Maybe our faith is not unfeigned like the faith that Timothy's mother and grandmother has. There's a little boy sitting in church one day with his dad, and he was just getting old enough to understand what the preacher was talking about. The preacher was saying Christians ought to do this, and Christians should not do that, and Christians shouldn't go here, and Christians should go here. And the little boy looked up at his dad, and he says, Dad, what is a Christian? His dad looked over at the son, and he says, so son, a Christian is someone who's been born again. They've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. He said, what else is a Christian? He says, well, a Christian is someone that all things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. A Christian is someone who can be kind one to another, forgiving one another. That's what a Christian is. The little boy looked up at his dad, and he says, have I ever met one? Have I ever met one? Out of the mouth of babes, this kid's sitting there, and this kid's trying to think, you know what, I don't know that I've ever seen one of those. The dad's heart was smitten, realizing that his life has not been as authentic as it needed to be. Can I tell you, there's a difference in uh, speaking it with your lips and living it with your life. I believe the reason this morning that so many of us aren't as influential as we could be, and I've been there myself, it's because our faith is not unfeigned. We want to have an influential faith, but an influential faith must be an authentic faith. It's got to be real and not just real every once in a while on Sunday. It's got to be real all the time. Why? People are watching all the time. Wouldn't it be great if we could tell our kids, hey, you watch me on Sunday, okay? Wouldn't it be great? I'm just being honest with you. I usually look my best on Sunday. I take extra time with my hair on Sunday. I do. I'm trying to represent you well. I can't do anything with my face, but the little hair I've got, I try to take care of it, you know, try to look nice. I use extra uh, cologne on Sunday morning. Tell my daughter, you watch dad on Sunday. You watch mom on Sunday. Hey, that's the kind of Christian you need to be. But the sad thing is she lives with me the other six days of the week too. She sees me at home. She sees me in the car. She sees me in my good days and my bad days. And I've got to understand, if I want to influence Miley for the cause of Christ with my faith, my faith has to be an unfeigned faith, an authentic faith. Now listen, as a Christian this morning, this is not just for moms. The Bible's very clear that what God's called us to be and what God leaves us here to do is be an influence, Matthew 5. You're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth. One of those, those are influences. By the way, one of those I'm really thankful for, that's salt. Don't you like salt? Just not the same without salt. I'm thankful that we have salt to influence our food. But Matthew 5, there's something very interesting in it that I want you to think about. The Bible says that our influence should be clear to all that are in the room. Everybody in the room should see our influence. Everybody in the room should understand and recognize the light that we have. But the Bible says there's something dangerous also that can happen, that our light gets put under a bushel. All right, the bushel was a basket, obviously, that we'd pick crops with and carry things with. And they would turn that bushel basket over and put the lamp or the candle on top of it, kind of like a stand, so it gave light to all that are in the room. It says you put the candle on top of the bushel, you don't put it under the bushel. But sometimes, can I tell you, if you're not careful, your influence will be shaded by the lifestyle you're living. There's a lot of bushels in this life that can get in the way of your light, isn't there? There's a lot of bushels out there. You say, what do you mean? Well, is your faithfulness, can I just ask you this this morning? Is your faithfulness this morning a bushel over your light? Now, look, I'm not saying you haven't got a light. 
There have been a lot of times, I, look, I have covered my light up with a bushel too. Meaning there's something that started to throw shade rather than throw light. Could it be your consistency this morning? Our consistency, if we're not consistent, people are going to look. Can I put it this way? If I walked into your house and you had your light underneath a bushel, I would be confused. Why are you doing that? Why did you light the light and then put a bushel to kind of hide it and cover it up? I would say, well, that's confusing. By the way, it's confusing to the world as well. When they see us and our unfaithfulness shields out our influence, or maybe our consistency shields out our influence, or here's one of the worst ones, it's our mouth. Sometimes my mouth is a bushel basket to my light. I mean, Lord set a watch over my mouth. I think he needs to set two. One on this side, one on that side. He needs to have an angel. I, I would love it if he had an angel that just followed me around. Every once in a while, just pinch these two things together. Why? Because sometimes this shades my light. I've got to give light to all that are in the room, but sometimes my light is not authentic. Sometimes we're hypocritical, and it's our hypocrisy that shields out our influence. And I tell you, we're not going to be like Lois and Eunice in verse 5, who have that unfeigned faith. Listen how David prayed, Psalm 17:1, as he's on the, ra- on the run from Saul. He says, hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer. That goeth out not of unfeigned lips. Can I tell you what David is saying? David is asking for God's influence in his life. He's running from Saul and he's going to be killed. He thinks he's going to be killed. And he says, God, I have to get your attention. God, I need to be clear. Therefore, God, I'm speaking to you out of unfeigned lips. God, I can't compromise. I've got to hear you and you've got to hear me. These can't just be hollow words that I'm praying. I believe a lot of times we have hollow words. Our testimony is hollow words. Why? Because we don't have an unfeigned faith. We have a compromised faith. And a lot of times it's our lifestyle that does that. Now, how do we have an authentic faith? I'd leave the answers right there in verse 5. Let me show it to you real quick. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, watch this, which first, which dwelt first, what's the next word? It's a little two-letter word, but man, it's an important one. In. In. Stick with me, okay? When you look at this verse, you see that the faith that Lois and Eunice had wasn't the kind of faith that you put on. It was a faith that you put in. And therein, I believe, lies the difference in why we're not influential. We get up on Sunday morning and look, hey, I think, it, I think it's great when you look nice and you try to do our best for the Lord and we come to church and, man, we put our best on. But sometimes I think our religion is something we put on too. We think, you know what, I'm going to put this on and it's going to be on the outside. But the truth of the matter is this morning, an influential faith is a faith that's in you. It's not something that you put on like you put on your Sunday best and you're going to take it off when you get home tonight. No, a real faith, an authentic faith is something, watch this word, that dwells in you. You know what the word dwell means? Settle down in place. I can take you to my house uh, if you actually need to see it, but uh, trust me, I live in a house. You walk around my house, you can tell that I live there. It's settled, man. I've got what I want, where I want it, different places. I've got my coffee where I want it. I've got, you know, coffee pot over here where I want it. It's settled. I've made it home there, all right? Uh, Now, it's temporary as far as eternity, but that's where I live. 
I dwell there. I think a lot of times our faith is not like the faith of Lois and Eunice. It's a temporary faith. It doesn't dwell within us. It's something that we put on the outside. By the way, Timothy knew what the Pharisees were all about too. Timothy knew the whited sepulchers that looked good on the outside, but the inside were full of dead men's bones. That kind of faith did not influence Timothy. See, how do you know that? Well, if you're reading Acts 16, Timothy's dad was a Greek. It says it twice. But somehow the faith of Lois and Eunice beat out what dad believed. Why? Because it was authentic. It was authentic. He saw something in mom and he saw something in grandma that influenced his life. He says, I want in me what they got in them. Can I ask you this morning, do you have something your kids would want to have? Do you have a faithfulness in you? A commitment in you to God and his will and his word that your kids want in them. I want what they've got. Brother Ravi, I want to pull up a couple of pictures early. I told you it might come. And I told him, I think it's going to be point three, but we'll wait and see. I want to show you a picture of my grandmother. Uh, this is my grandmother, Dolores, my mom's mom. She was a missionary in Mexico. Uh, the Lord took her home at 52 years old uh, from a disease she caught on the mission field. I think we have another picture of her there. Um, uh, on the mission field in Mexico with a kid down there in the middle of the desert. There's so many things in my life that are in my life that I saw in my mom and I saw in my dad. And so many things that are in my mom and in my dad is because it was in that woman right there. Faithfulness, service, surrender. Now, they're not all in my life like they need to be. I assure you that. But, man, I want it. Why? Because I saw something in her that was real. It was authentic. Here, we, here it is. She went to heaven when I was nine. That was 34 years ago. And I still strive for the level of influence she had in my life. That is my Lois. That's my Eunice. And I want what she had in her and me because it was something that was real. Listen to me, mom and dad. Christian this morning. If your faith is going to influence people, it needs to be something in you, not something that is just on you. There's an emperor. I'll give you this, and I'll give you the second point. We'll go quickly, okay? Remember, free gift at the end. So if I go long, it's going to be worth the wait, okay? I mean, uh, I can't keep you too long because, because it's going to be hard for them to keep up with all those critters back there. There's an emperor by the name of Menelik, Menelik II. He was an African general that conquered the Italians and went on to form the nation of Ethiopia. He was a very superstitious man, and he thought that the Bible was a superstitious book filled with mystical powers. And so Menelik, what he would do when he got sick, no joke, when he got sick, he would take a page of the Bible, he would tear it out, and he would eat it. Thinking to himself, well, it's a powerful book. It's a book that gives healing. I will, I will eat some of that. And he would eat the pages of the Bible in the hopes of getting better. He didn't believe it, he just thought it might benefit him, and so he would eat a piece there every so often, true story. Uh, I believe it was in 1913 that uh, he had a massive stroke, and Menelik was suffering from the consequences and the after effects of that stroke to where he thought to himself, I'm going to die, true story. Why he went to book of, the book of First Kings, I don't know, but he went to the book of First Kings and he page by page ate the entire book of 1 Kings. I want you to know something this morning. That's commitment right there. <laughs> he believed something. He ate the entire book of 1 Kings thinking that book was going to heal him. 
his bowels became obstructed by all of the paper that he ate and he died. You say, well, what are you getting out of that? The Bible to him wasn't a belief. It was just something that he used for his benefit. The Bible was like his lucky rabbit's foot. One of our kids had one the other day. I didn't know they had those anymore. I figured that was politically incorrect to have rabbit's feet. But one of our kids had one. You used to get those in gumball machines. The 80s were great. And they were dyed these colors like pink and purple and yellow. I've never seen a, a rabbit like that. But kids carrying around those rabbit's foot. Why? Because rabbit's feet bring good luck. Yeah, how'd that work out for the rabbit? Just throwing that out there. He had four of them. Didn't help him very much. Sometimes we look at our faith in the Bible like a rabbit's foot. I'm just going to have some faith in my life just, just in case any of the booger monsters come. I, I've got something. That's not authentic faith. Listen, you will still die in your sin if you have that kind of faith. Listen, your children will not be influenced if you have that kind of faith. It's got to be more than a rabbit's foot. It's got to be something real. And it's got to be something on the inside of you that dwells on the inside of you. Not something that you put on on Sunday and something you put on Wednesday. It's got to be in there. And I want you to know, your kids know if it's in there or not. They know us like a book because they're watching. Number one this morning, an influential faith, watch this, is an authentic faith. It's unfeigned. It's not pretend. Now, folks, we all deal with this. Let's deal with this today. Let's keep going quickly. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. Thank God for Grandma Lois. But then watch this. And thy mother Eunice. Now, this is amazing here. Boy, I told my wife, I'm so thankful how God always gives us what he wants us to preach. It makes it so clear. The faith that Lois had is about to enter a very treacherous place. After it leaves her. You say, why is that? Well, listen, it's not uncommon to see people who have faith. To see a mom and dad who have faith. To see grandmas and grandpas have faith. But oftentimes, what is harder to see is when that faith goes from one generation to the next. That's where we usually lose it. My wife and I have had this theory for years, watching young people grow up under our ministry. Watching the second generation, that's usually when they lose it. There's somebody who works hard, they get saved, they get in the word of God, and they start mining out the truth of how God wants them to live their life, and they develop their convictions, they find out how God wants them to live, and they work so hard for that, and then they have a kid who's born into their family, and that kid grows up automatically getting all of that. They didn't have to work hard for it, mom and dad just taught it to them, and they give it to them. A lot of times, it's the second generation that drops the ball. But watch this, Eunice didn't drop the ball. He says, first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Eunice is about to show us something very important. She didn't abandon her faith, but she shows us to have an influential faith, number two. You need to have an attentive faith. Eunice was attentive to the faith of her mother. And this is vital this morning. Please do not miss this. If you're not careful... You will receive your faith that your mom and dad, your grandma and grandpa worked so hard for. I mean, you may look back beyond your mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, and there were some heathens in your household. By the way, there's heathens in all of our household. If you go look in the mirror, you'll see one. We're all heathens before Jesus, right? I haven't met a person yet who was born saved. At least they hadn't acted like it. And you look back in your life and you'll see that, man, things were rough and your family tree was more like a vine of poison ivy. 
And now you look at this straight, tall oak tree, the, the firm foundation of the faith that your family has. I mean, how did we get that? Somewhere you had a Lois. Somewhere you had a Lois. One of my great-grandmother, I don't know how far it went back, her name was Laylee Mae Linder. She's one of my Loises. Look back, the faith of my great-grandmother, the last founding member of her church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And here's what will happen. You'll be gifted the, the greatest gift in the world, which is faith, understanding, truth of the word of God that maybe your mom and dad didn't have. And they didn't have somebody to shepherd them and show them. And, and all of a sudden, your mom and dad get saved, they get right, and they learn the truth, and they pass along that truth to you. And the temptation is not to value it because you didn't work for it. I was, I was up in Jackson the other day, I had an opportunity to, to meet with the governor, speak with the governor for a few minutes, and one of our senators up there in Jackson got to go out on the Senate floor and pray with the folks there at the Senate, and as we stood there and talked with the governor and, and a couple of senators that were there, one of the most amazing things that came out was about the faith that helped found our state, and the faithful men that came before us to build the state that we have. Now listen to me, it may not be all that we desire it be, but we got a pretty good thing going here in Mississippi, whether you realize it or not. If you don't believe me, go with me to California sometimes, and, and you'll realize we, we got a pretty good thing going. While we stood there in the floor of the Senate, they began pointing out things around the room. Inscriptions painted on the ceiling. Patterns in the floor tile, little one-inch tiles. Inscriptions on the doorknobs that spoke of the faith of the people who helped establish our dear state. There was faith there. And now you look at some of the things that go on in our state sometimes and how we live and things we vote on and you're thinking we're a far cry from that. Why? We haven't been attentive to our faith. We were given something good and we were blessed with something good but here we come along and oh it's a fatal flaw of the second generation to come along and think I'm going to improve their faith. I don't know that they knew what they were talking about and we start tweaking things. Be careful. There's a reason the Bible tells us not to remove the ancient landmark. Listen, they may have seemed like old fuddy-duddies, but listen to me. They had something figured out because we have what we have because of them. And then we start tweaking it. Why? Because we know better. Isn't that the case with every generation? We always know better than the last generation that came before us. Can I tell you something about Eunice? Eunice was a bridge between Lois and Timothy. I don't know we would read about Timothy if it wasn't for Eunice being a bridge. Eunice says, I've, uh, I've got to lay hold of Lois, and then I've got to lay hold of Timothy, and I've got to make sure that I don't drop the ball. Could I encourage you about something this morning? Be attentive to your faith. Don't drop the ball. Listen, don't be the gap. You know, the Bible says that the Lord was looking for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. What did he say? Somebody dropped the ball. Israel, there arose a generation who knew not the Lord. They were void of the understanding of all that God had done and all that God could do. What happened? Somebody dropped the ball. Somebody was not the eunuch that was attentive to their faith. Think about it this way as we hurry this morning. Think about Moses' mother. His mother was literally the bridge that saved his life. The decree came out, kill all the male children, throw them in the river. But oh, she said, I got to bridge the gap for this baby that God's given me. And if it wasn't for the dear mother of Moses, I don't know that we'd have the Moses that we read about today. She was a bridge. She was a bridge. There's a widow of Zarephath. Remember, she was going to eat the, the last bit that they had and she was going to die. And yet she obeyed the command of the man of God and it saved her and her, her son. Folks, hear me out this morning. 
If you're going to have an influential faith, you better be attentive to your faith or else I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're going to drop the ball and your children are not going to know all about the goodness of God. The Bible tells us in Acts 16 about Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have been thrown into prison for doing the will of God. I believe we're approaching a day that's coming soon. I got a text from a preacher this morning. He said, this is our last stand. Preach with power. This is our, I believe we are in the last stand for America right now. I believe that with all of my heart. Growing up, I was not a doom and gloom preacher. I did not like doom and gloom preachers. I always hoped there was going to be something good around the bend, and there might be a revival around the bend, but let me tell you something. America is in the fight for the heart and soul of this country right now. Right now. If we lose it right now, you'll never get it back. You're never going to get it back. That's why God's people have to stand. God's people have got to fight. And you're going to see a day just like in Acts 16 where Paul and Silas are thrown into prison for preaching the gospel of Christ. It's already happening in Canada, our neighbor to the north. Paul and Silas are in prison. That's not nice. Not something you look forward to. Most people would abandon their faith. Can I tell you what they did in prison? They sang songs at midnight. You know what they were doing? They were being attentive to their faith. They weren't attending to their feelings. Oh, this is horrible. God, you left us all alone. No, they were attentive to their faith. And something wonderful happens in verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Listen to this. And the prisoners heard them. Do you know what that is? That is influence. They were influencing the prisoners in the prison. Why? Because they didn't give up on God. They didn't drop the ball and say, God, you've left us all alone. God, you've let us be thrown in prison. What kind of a God are you? No, they stayed attentive to their faith, even in prison. The Bible says the prisoners heard them, and later on, that jailer would come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Why? Because they didn't drop the ball. Could I beg you this morning, moms, don't drop the ball. Be a Eunice. Be a Eunice, hold on to the faith of our fathers and our mothers, and let's make sure we connect it to the next generation, because this may be the last time America gets an opportunity to drop the ball. When we drop it this time, it'll never be picked up again. Daniel, what did he do in the lion's den? He was attentive to his faith. He was an influence. Andrew Jackson said this, and I'll give you the last point. There never was a woman like her, speaking of his mother. She was gentle as a dove and brave as a lioness. I know some ladies in this room, I think that would probably describe you. Gentle as a dove, brave as a lioness. The memory of my mother and her teachings were, after all, the only capital I had to start life with. And on that capital, I have made my way. You know what Andrew Jackson was saying? He was saying Elizabeth Jackson didn't drop the ball. Elizabeth Jackson didn't drop the ball. That man would go on to accomplish a lot in his life and his career uh, in our country, he says, because of my mother, she didn't drop the ball. If you read Proverbs 31, and I won't this morning for the sake of time, there's one thing you'll see in Proverbs 31. She was attentive. She was attentive. She looked well to the ways of her household. She's making sure her children are clothed and fed. She backs up her husband. She defends him. She stands for him. She honors him. She's attentive. I believe that Proverbs 31 woman, we, we don't know her, but I believe she understood the vital role of a wife and a mother, that I've got to be attentive. 
Could us husbands agree this morning and us dads agree this morning we're not always very attentive? Trips to the emergency room would probably you know, spell that out. We watch the kids for five minutes. Our wife calls, how are you doing? Well, the doctor's stitching them up. We'll be leaving soon. <laughs> what? They said it's not a concussion. We're going to be okay. It wasn't one of their permanent teeth. It'll come back. We're not always attentive as husbands. Thank God for attentive wives. Thank God for attentive mothers who make sure that when we drop the ball, they don't drop the ball. They're the unisys. They're attentive to their faith. Finally, I want to show you the best part, and we're going to end on a high note today, okay? Time has flown by while we're having fun today. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. There it is. It's authentic faith. That is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. There was an attentive faith. Eunice didn't drop the ball. Please don't drop the ball. He said, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Now, this is an amazing picture we're going to finish up with here this morning. Due in large part to the faithfulness of a mother and a grandmother. Now we see the faith. Watch the last part of verse 5. I am persuaded that what? In thee also. What you see is, watch, because of an authentic faith of a, of a grandmother and an attentive faith of a mother. Now number three, we see an adopted faith of a son. It is now his faith. It is now in him. Now through the years, I've had a lot of things uh, said about me that are aspects uh, that are attributed to my parents. I mean, sometimes you can look at me. I've heard people say, well, you, you looked like your dad uh, when you did that or when you said that. I think somebody said that the other day when I bowed my head to pray. Sorry, Dad. Dad's, dad's cool with it. You know, he's in his 60s. He's, he's comfortable with it. I'm still a little, a little sensitive to it, you know. Well, you reminded me of your dad when I prayed. I'm like, man, I have a prayer life like my dad. They said, no, your head. I'm like, oh, I got you. I got you. Thanks a lot. appreciate that. Miss Yvette was telling me the other day, she's watching on live stream. Sorry, Miss Yvette, I didn't mean to pick on you. She's like, it, it is getting thin up there because we saw you pray on live stream. Why do you think I kneel behind the pulpit to pray? No, it's not vanity, I promise. That's not why we do that. Maybe it's a phrase that I use that reminds them of my mom, a mannerisms or something about my grandfather. Our, my mom's maiden name is Myers. And one of the ways my grandfather always describes the way you remember it is Myers. Myers. We have those Myers ears. These are things I had no choice in. All right? You don't get to pick your ears out when you're born. You don't get to pick your hairstyle out when you're born. It just comes through to you in your DNA. And for those of you who have good hair DNA, you ought to thank God for that. I'm going to pray God takes it away and gives it to me. Didn't he do that in Matthew 25 with the talents? Take it away from him who didn't use it and give it to him who'd love to have it. All right. I'm going to pray that about my hair. Some of you guys who don't appreciate your hair. Yeah, you wait and see. I'm going to have a full head next year. We'll go from there. Can I tell you this real quickly before we close? Faith is not something that can be passed through DNA. Faith is not something that's going to happen automatic. Just because you're saved doesn't mean your kids are going to get saved. Just because you love the Lord doesn't mean your kids are going to love the Lord. Just because you're faithful to church doesn't mean your kids are going to be faithful to church. You say, well, how do I make sure that my kids adopt that faith keyword in their life? How do I do that? You better be authentic. And you better be attentive.
because your kids are watching. And what do you want from them? You want them to adopt it into their life. We see it in Timothy. It's in him now. I'm going to give you something that might make you cry, and it'll surely scare you to death. I heard this a few weeks ago. I didn't believe it. I had to go research it to find out. And it's true, and it makes me want to cry right now. 75% of the time we spend with our kids in our lifetime will be spent up by the time they turn 12. 75% of the time you have with your children is gone by the time they turn 12. By the age of 18, 90% of the time you'll spend with your children is over. It's gone. 90%. That means 90% of the influence you could have had, good or bad, it's gone. It's in the books. And all we can do after that time when they leave our home is hope and pray that they saw something authentic and they saw something that we were attentive to, that they're willing to adopt that faith in their own life. What's sad is how little of that time is concerned with making our faith their faith. How much of our time do we consume with making sure our kids are smart? Look, we ought to have smart kids, amen? How much of that time is consumed in boy Hear me out, okay? Free gift, free gift, free gift, okay? No matter how bad this gets, you stick with me. Free gift, free gift. How much of our time is spent worried more about our children's feelings than our children's faith? I'm thinking, yep, I'm going to be assassinated in the parking lot today. Could I encourage you with something? Don't mistake thinking that loving your kid's feelings is the same thing as loving your kid. There's some people I'm afraid this morning who believe that because they love their kids' feelings and they want to make sure their kids feels happy and their kid feels comfortable and their kid feels whatever it is they want them to feel, I think we mistake that as thinking we love our kids. No, no, no. The Bible says that my father chastens every son that he loves and it doesn't feel good. By the way, kids, you got a mom and dad who's more concerned about your faith than your feelings, you ought to take them out to lunch today. Because in the end, your feelings won't get you very far. Feelings come, feelings go. But can I tell you what's going to guide you the rest of your life? It's going to be faith. Hear me out this morning, folks. If our kids are going to adopt our faith, they're going to adopt a faith that's authentic and one we were attentive to. And there are times, I'm afraid, our kids are watching us and they can tell it's a put-on faith, not a put-in faith. And they're like, I don't want any part of that. It's like our kids and our style. You know, some of you love the style that back in the 70s. Bless your heart. 70s. I don't know what went wrong in America. Good night. The clothes, the cars. Oh, it was horrible. And our kids look back and I said, I'm never going to dress like that because it was hideous. Amen. Amen, it was. But never let them say that about our faith. That was a joke. They said this in front of everybody, and they did this at home. They didn't have an unfeigned faith. It wasn't real. They talked a really good game. But in the end, they would always bow down to what was easier and accommodating. Hear me out this morning, folks. Sometimes our faith is not accommodating, is it? Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not always enjoyable. But we've got to maintain our faith. Why? Because we want our kids to adopt that. I'll close with this. Lois, listen closely. Lois was the first one which dwelt first 
in thy grandmother, Lois. This morning, you may need to be the lowest in your household. You may need to be the lowest in your family tree. That I didn't have it behind me, but I can assure you that I'm going to do my best to make sure they have it in front of me. That the generation that comes after me is going to know there was somebody in our house who had an authentic faith and an attentive faith. Could I ask you this morning, are you saved? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If you died right now, are you sure you're going to heaven because you've placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in that alone? Maybe this morning you need to be a Lois. Become a Lois today. It's going to start with me today. I don't know who the Lois was in my family, but I'm thankful for her. I'm thankful for him, whoever it was that was the first. Maybe today you need to get saved. Why? Because you're going to be the one who starts the family tradition of faith. Maybe this morning you're saved. And there's a Lois behind you. And there's a Timothy in front of you. It's up to you. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. We've got too many young people. The Bible says a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Do you know why they're bringing him to shame? Because somebody didn't grab hold of Lois and grab hold of him. Somebody dropped the ball. Don't drop the ball today. Listen to me. If you're working hard, listen, just to get by and to pay the rent and to make sure your kids are in church, hey, keep up the good work. We need more Eunices in the world. We're going to make sure that the faith that came before them is the faith that comes behind them. Don't drop the ball today, all right? Be a Eunice today. Hey, we're pulling for you. We need more Eunices out there. But finally, maybe this morning you're Timothy. Maybe you need to adopt that faith for your own. Quit living off the ancestry that you have. Why don't you decide, you know what? This is going to be my faith. I believe it. It's not going to be something that I put on on Sunday morning and act different on Monday morning. No, I'm going to have it dwell in me. Question, how influential is your faith? Is it authentic? Are you attentive to it? And then have you adopted it for your own? Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.